0: Blog Talk Radio
1: To Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio, this is your host Bernice Alexander Bennett and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to Research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, you can sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. If this is your first time joining Blog Talk Radio, please push the little button and follow me and you can get a notification every single week when the show comes on. I will open the lines in the second half of the show, and I know tonight is the show that you will most likely want to call in to discuss. Now, following the show, you can continue this discussion on the AfroGenius.com website and group page and my Facebook page, Research at the National Archives and Beyond. In fact, please like both pages. Well, tonight's show will discuss a... I'm going to just put it out there, a very difficult topic. Um, You know, do you... Remember, we had a discussion about artificial brick walls with Robin Smith? Well, we're going to go into some records. That's going to be probably records that you have never looked at before. You see, we're getting beyond this safe genealogy. This is a a, a term that uh, uh, Antoinette Harrell has used genealogy. We're, we're, we're getting ready to take a step a little deeper into some records and at one point we did discuss the records available through the Friedman Bureau where you heard about complaints of individuals and so tonight we're going to get a little deeper and so I'm happy to, to have author, lecturer, television, and radio host Antoinette Harrell for the discussion of her new book, The Department of Justice, Slavery, Involuntary Servitude, and Pianage. Now, the 13th Amendment to the Constitution outlaws slavery in certain forms of involuntary servitude. The Department of Justice files contain complaints made by persons of victims who were being held against their will or forced to work off debts through threats and intimidation by employers or others. Now most of the victims were Negroes who were beaten to return to former employers to work off their debts. These files contain correspondences, memorandums, telegrams, newspaper clippings, transcripts or testimonies, FBI reports of investigations and indictments. So let me give a warm welcome to renowned genealogist Antoinette Harrell. Antoinette, welcome to Research at the National Archives and Beyond.
0: Hi, Bernice, and thank you for having me as a guest on your show. And congratulations on your new book.
1: Well, thank you so much, the memory keepers. We're all just dancing and excited that the book has come out. So,
2: Antoinette,
1: thank you so much. So, Antoinette, how and why did you get involved in examining records at the National Archives specifically from the Department of Justice.
0: Well, Bernice, you know, when I first started looking at my own family history, researching my own family history, and, of course, you meet people along the way. And sometimes the people that you meet is not always in your family. And there's people that may hear that you're conducting genealogy research. And this woman named May Louise Miller came up to me uh, over 13 years ago, and she started telling me about her family history, which that was the first time someone had told me they was held a slave. And so a mate came up to me, she gave me names, places, where it took place, and I started to research the topic of penance everywhere I could find anything on it, and it led me to the National Archives. So I spent I traveled to the National Archives in Washington D.C. several times looking in these files, and out of all of my research that I had conducted in slavery, I must say that this was the most difficult records for me to look in. And yes,
1: they are difficult because I've read some of the the letters, and I it, it is hard. It is hard, but unfortunately, it's true. And so. Why should genealogists be interested in reviewing the Department of Justice records?
0: Well, because it it has names associated with it, uh, places, events, families uh, who was held on plantations in the form of sharecropping or tenant farmers, and it lists them by names. Some of the families that started out... Uh, Signing their mark in with the seasonal labor contracts, those families was on those plantations for decades, and so anytime there's a person's name, a place, an event, a time period, it's genealogy. hmm And
1: so I mean, why don't you? And and this is something that I I, I really hope that you will do. First of all, tell us what states. Uh, did you find documents?
0: Well, I found them in 17 states, 16 states, I'm sorry. Um, But my focus basically was Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida. But there was North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Arizona, Missouri, Kentucky, uh, Virginia, as far as New York, um, Florida, Texas. And I have to tell you, the worst states I found it the was the was Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida and South Carolina. Mhm. But the worst of all, Florida. Florida was by far the worst. Yes, yeah, Florida was by far the worst.
1: So why don't you start with Florida and tell us why Florida was by far the worst, although simply because Pinage existed, they're all bad. But what happened in Florida?
0: Well, there was a turban time camps there. Um, some of the people that tried to get away with fear to alligators, lots of murders. Uh, although it took place in many places, but Florida was foremost the worst because of it, the, the cases was very detailed as to what was going on with the people, how they were killing them, the mistreatment was really documented because Mary Quackenbose, the um, attorney for that area, uh, she filed a lot of court cases, and the court cases and the transcripts really described what some of the witnesses were saying and some of the people who had experienced uh, this hard labor, this convict leasing, all t- sorts of things. And Florida, simply because a lot of the immigrants that was coming through, through New York, uh, they had their uh, visa and they also had their passport taken away from them. And mm-hmm. a lot of the people there that was foreigners uh, could not even speak the language. And so mm-hmm. they were tricked into coming to the United States looking for work. And many of them uh, was tricked to go down into Florida and that was a there was a lot of murders that took place down there. Mhm. Well can you give us give
1: us a time period of which you're finding the documents?
0: Oh, it can be anywhere between nineteen hundred 1900 to nineteen seventy three. Uh, the latest index of reports came in was nineteen seventy three. Most of the records that I have in my new book is anywhere up until 1945, and so Mm -hmm. that was a period. So I focused a lot on the different cases that came in from the uh, complaints that came in from the NAACP, uh, FBI reports, letters from the citizens, letters to the presidents of the United States, asking that slavery be abolished, this new form of slavery. And this new form of slavery, some authors call it worse than slavery, is because they would actually kill you trying to get away.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That is just heartbreaking. Okay. Yes, it is. And, and and now let me tell you, it took me, it took me almost ten years just to put the book together because it was just very hard reading all of this um, what happened to people in the book. And so I would put it down, Bernice, and I would go back to it. Because it, it was just a very painful subject, mm-hmm. reading how people was trying to to uh, get their freedom, and it was asking them to judge and anyone else to, to free them. I think in the book it also, well, one of the files in the book basically said that one man, uh, he was so afraid of running away and, and that they would get him, catch him, and kill him. Well, they did kill him, and... When they buried him, they went back and dug up his head and took his head because the agent, which he was reporting what was going on, uh, asked him to stay around to make a complaint. He said, if I stay here, they're going to kill me. Well, they uh-huh. did. It. And the only way the agent would be able to identify his body is by the clothes he had on and the gold tooth that was in his mouth. Well, guess what? The people heard about it went back and dug his head up and took his head so that the go too wouldn't be able to identify him, but nevertheless, he was able to be identified by the clothing.
2: Mhm
1: now that is sad, but you actually have uh that level of detail in those documents, oh yes,
0: yes, and that was the intent to take the doc, take the letters. Uh, the documents I found, and just transcribed them for the book and not adding a word or taking one word away. No corrections in the letters. The letters was just typed up and put in as it was in the Department of Justice files, uh, the Penish Files, Record Group 60 at the National Archives. Mm -hmm.
1: Now, is your book organized by state or by incident?
0: By incident, by files. Letters, uh, documents. Let's say for for example here, the NWCP files. Well, I took those cases that the NWCP, those reports, and put them in one chapter, uh, and it was just a little surface of that because I have like tens of, I mean, I have thousands of of um, records now that I have scanned, which basically is other books. So I can take now and have all of those documents uh, and records by the NAACP on its own, the same mm-hmm. as the FBI reports, because some of those reports with the FBI may be 35 pages long.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. And, and what the difference with these files is, is that so I can give you an example of one of the cases in the FBI files. Not only did it give you a legal description of the person who was making the complaint, it gave you a description of the person who the complaint was made against. And I also found Social Security numbers associated with some of those files, but I didn't put those in the book at all. hmm hmm So
1: you have the NAACP files. You have the FBI files. What other files do you have? Because these are all federal I mean, although the NAACP is not a federal agency, but they reported to,
2: to, yes, right. They
1: reported to so to the Department of Justice. So therefore, you have the NAACP uh, Mm -hmm. records. But Mm -hmm. in addition to the FBI files, what other files were uh, included in that Department of Justice uh, record group?
0: Well, what I also found was letters to. Fought three presidents, and so those letters was very important because I'm saying, oh my goodness, they was writing, ex presidents of the United States to free people, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Warren G. Harding, and Calvin
2: Coolidge. Mm-hmm. There was
0: also a letter from um, written by uh, it was the ju- it was the governor of Mississippi, Earl in 1915. You also have people that was writing on behalf of people who was held a slave. So I have mm-hmm. letters, letters from citizens. I have the letters in there that was written to the President of the United States. Uh, we have the Abolish, American, Abolish Pinnage in America. We have those files in the book. So now, really what
1: is Abolish Pinnage in America? That, is that a
0: group? That was, that was an organization that was uh, in Chicago in the 1940s. And they was also taking um, claims and writing up these reports and just uh, filing these complaints on behalf of the people. Now, one of the files that come to mind with me uh, when I speak about Chicago is when these two boys, Ico and Ico, it was their Twins, and they were captured by the circus, by the Clyde Penny Circus, and used as circus slaves. And mm. Many times we, have, we never think about those kind of records. We have uh, letters from Mary Church Terrell, the journalist, uh, letters from the uh, complaints from the Choctaw Indian Nation. Um, there was women held in, in Pennage. And so mm-hmm. this is different chapters in the book, such as the railroad companies. Uh, the state of Georgia, and it also talked about uh, these eleven bodies that was found in Jasper County, Florida, where mm-hmm. this plantation only killed eleven people on his in, on his plantation in nineteen twenty one. It was a very difficult book to write, really.
1: And well, I can, I can imagine it's something that. As you have, you know, said to me, Bernice, you gotta get, you know, safe. you you, you touch the, the stuff that won't make you cry, I guess. But the safe, mm-hmm. when you move beyond the safe genealogy and you start digging in these records, now I've always looked at finding my ancestors in slavery in the 1800s made me cry. So I can imagine what looking at these records can do to you.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Babies for sale. You know, um, it was just so many chapters. I mean, so many documents uh, from the attorney generals that uh, really made your. Know, I mean, it was very difficult. Let me just say. That. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, in any of your research and looking at the documents, did you ever see any resolution? To some of the complaints, where they actually took it all the way through and and was able to release the person from slavery,
2: oh yes, there was quite
0: a few mm-hmm. um, cases in court where people was indicted um, and served time for holding people in in slavery, but one of the things I must point out is that in every case. Almost every complaint, even with the, the governor, and, and Mississippi said it's a very hard thing to prove. And so you really mm-hmm. had to be very cautious on how you uh, came up on a case that you did. You had to be careful who you talked to because it doesn't mean that it went anywhere. And it, there was actually uh, agencies and uh, people trying to arrest the people that was holding people uh mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, you had a trust issue here. It sounds like yes. if 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 the people would tell somebody else for all they knew, they were telling somebody who would go back and report it to the people who had them enslaved. Exactly,
0: and and that's what May said to me. Um, May yeah. and so many other people said to me, Antoinette, so who could we tell? Who could we trust? They couldn't trust anyone because, Let me give you an example of that. If a slaveholder or plantation owner uh, owned, let's say, 1,500 acres of land, and that slaveholder's brother could have been the sheriff, the Mm -hmm. neighbor Uh or whomever could have been the judge. So everyone Mm -hmm. that was in power was the people that was basically involved with Holding these people on these plantations because they had a vested interest to do so. They needed mm-hmm. someone to work these
2: plantations, and so, and so you might work look work at some, work. yeah,
1: mm-hmm. look at some of the prison systems now, and saying maybe they're just like the involuntary servitude. <laughs>
0: Yes, I mean, that's what it is. I can give you another example. You can come to Louisiana at any given time and go to the state capitol and you find uh, trustees and prisoners working there, and sometimes they're hired, I mean, they sent to work on uh, different senators' lawns and different things like that. So, you know, uh, this type of new form of slavery is a very very, you know, when I think about it, it's worse because it's illegal. But at the same time, they find ways to keep people in bondage. I sent you also um, a photograph of what a sharecropper's coin looked like. And it was in well into the 60s that some people had never seen what U.S. Mint looked like because when you work on these plantations, You shopped at the commissary store. You couldn't go anywhere. And Mm -hmm. uh, like May's family, they had to sneak out at night. And that's why a lot of people would leave through the night because they couldn't leave. They just Mm -hmm. couldn't leave. Mm
1: -hmm. And for for those of you who may be looking at the the picture, um, the sharecropper coin, uh, I posted the sharecropper coin because this wasn't real money. This was money that was developed by the the people who held the individuals in bondage. It wasn't a, it wasn't legal tender, if you if you will. But I, I how did you even come about uh, getting the sharecroppers' coin?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked that question because my father's side of family is from a little place called Fluca, Louisiana. And so whenever you're conducting your own genealogy research, you always go back to the place where your family lived. And mm-hmm. I came across the document, uh, that I sent you a newspaper article nineteen twenty six where family Alan Crawford's family was sold for twenty dollars from Amit County, Mississippi to Fluka, Louisiana, and so when I went there to talk to someone um, that was a hundred years old at the time when I went to see him, I wanted to ask him, did he know anything about that family? Well, at that particular time, he wasn't talking about nobody but Jesus. At that time, you know, so I guess I was uh-huh. about five years or ten years too late because he wasn't hearing anything else but uh, talking about Jesus. And so he sent me to another man, and the man said, yes, I remember that story. I remember that family being sold right up on that hill. And so when the man said, look, I have something to show you, and he took out this coin, which today called it a brosine,
2: mm-hmm. and he
0: said, this is the way my family and I was paid through this type of coin here, a brosine.
2: Mmm.
1: Mm, mm. mm. This this is this is just unbelievable. And how yes. did this family, I mean, they were sold, were they sold because they were trying to they were working off a of debt?
0: Well, the paper article said that his daughter, the man's daughter, Crawford Allen's daughter had gotten away. And so when the people came over, from Amitt County looking for her. They couldn't find her. So what they did, they made Crawford Allen and his wife and his three little children get out the bed. The children was reported to be nude. And I guess because it was very hot during that time, Bernice, and the family was very poor, but the man was sick, and they made him get up out of his bed, and they sold him over into local Louisiana. But also at the same time, during the same year, uh, time Magazine wrote an article on the family, and they called them pickaninnies. That's mm-hmm. how they addressed in the article.
2: Mhm, mhm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but... and, and so, Bernice, when well, I
0: embarked upon this journey that has taken me to 27 counties throughout Mississippi, and each time I travel through Mississippi, there's someone that can always point me to someone who just got off a plantation. There was a man named Willie King, who was a blues singer. And I remember uh, meeting Willie and driving up to Notchubee, that's what they call it, Notchubee, Mississippi. Oh, my God, it was one of the scariest places I could have ever went. And he said, look, he said, I'm going to put you in contact with Muddy Waters' brother. There's still people on a plantation. Now, that was about, Six years ago, and so when I went to see Bunny Waters' brother, he pretended that he didn't know what I was talking about, so I got on the phone and I called Willis and said, Willie, he said, you don't know what I'm talking about, he said, no, you stay in that area, stay in the area, I'm going to make a phone call. Well, he did, and so I know of two plantations today where people still live on those plantations and work on those plantations. And do they consider themselves free? Well, Bernice, this is how it is for them. They consider themselves as free as they think they are, if if that makes Mm -hmm. sense when you say why. Mm -hmm. Because people ask the question, why can't they leave? Why don't they just leave? Bernice, it's easy to say when you're not in that kind of situation. You know, mm-hmm. it's easy to say, but if this is where your family has been for generations and generations, where are you going to go? And a lot of people are so far behind on education, if they can yes. read at all, and those that may read, they're reading. You talk. I'm talking about adults that's reading on a third and second grade level,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they have been on these plantations all their life, for generations and generations. I know this one family that I'm working with in Mississippi, they've been on the plantation now for five, for five generations.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and that's just the, their way of life.
0: That's their way of life. And so the young the young black person, man who's in his 40s, the young white man who's in his 40s, they grew up together. So they have this type of bond that they have developed between each other. Uh, neither one won't leave each other uh because the he he now allow the elderly people to live on a plantation free of rent,
2: mm-hmm. and those of mm-hmm.
0: some people work on a plantation, but there's others that work off the plantation
2: now mm-hmm. in the same
0: area, let me tell you about this. You can pass this what would look like a subdivision because it looks it looks like it's kind of modernized a little bit, okay mhm, well. Um, Let me just say this. It looked so modernized, and the lady said, you see that? That's a plantation over there. And I looked again, and I remember what this man said to me. He said, Antoinette, go back and tell people to stop looking for the big house, the oak trees, the moss. They need to look in different areas. And when I looked at that subdivision, I went back there, and I had clothes in my my trunk to get the people. So oh, I'm looking for a plantation of people. Somebody told me somebody needs some help. The lady said, you're on the plantation. That was it. Um, and that's what it was. And also, I was just reading something in with Santa uh, Tree Girl said in the People Magazine a few years ago, she ran all, ran across an article. Well, that was my article. And mm-hmm. so the People Magazine article that she's talking about was the woman made. Was Held a Slave And the, mm-hmm. the title of that article was The Last Slaves of Mississippi And we, we, that article Was published in 2007 mm-hmm. And so I was reporting this long before Doug Blackman came out with the book Slavery by Another Name
2: mm-hmm. But
0: Bernice, what Stopped me from writing my book At that particular time There were so many people that need Food, yes. clothes yes. Mm-hmm. Shoes I couldn't go there and say, oh, I'm writing my book. Let me just stop. I can't do this. I couldn't Mm -hmm. do that. I Mm -hmm. actually had to
1: help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember that. I remember with the coat drives and how you were, you know, taking big trucks of uh, supplies to help the people. I, I Mm -hmm. I do recall. So I understand exactly where you had to go at that particular time. Um, and do you know Dr.
0: Ryan Walters out of um, Washington D.C. traveled to Mississippi with me? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I do. I do remember you. You talking about that? Well, Antoinette, we're going to take a quick little break and come back, and we're going to continue this discussion. And I want the chatters, or even if you're already on the line, please feel free to call in. We're going to just continue to talk about what we can find in those records and how we should go about looking for our missing ancestors. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a few minutes. To research at the National Archives and Beyond blog, Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy questions. Now, remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Uh, you can also find the archive shows on my website, geniebroots.com. Now, I have opened the lines for questioning, and if you would like to ask a question or make a comment, please call 646-200-0491 and press 1 to speak to the host. I will call out your area code uh, if I see you online, and then you will be live on the show. Well, Antoinette, we have a question, a comment coming out of the uh, site, and really we want to know more about the amazing work that you have done with the Doja Boys. So could you please share with people what's going on with the Doja Boys and how did you get involved?
0: Okay, I got involved once again because I saw the word pinage, um when I was looking for something online. And when I came across that, that um, word pinnage, I said Those Doja Farm School. And I did a little bit more research on it, and I found that these children – was used as peons to work in uh, as modern-day slaves in agriculture. And so I said, this cannot be real. Please do not tell me this. My research had never revealed anything about a reform school uh, in document at the documents at the National Archives. So mm-hmm. I reached out to a man named Roger Dean Kaiser, who had published the first book on what was taking place at Dozer, he put me in contact with some of the black men that was there as boys and oh, what did I find? I went to the State Archives. As a matter of fact I was talking to you that day when I was there and went Uh into some of their agricultural reports and couldn't believe the amount of money that the town, I mean that the school was making off these little boys and that was murders that took place there. So the latest thing I, I can report here is that they have used cadaver dogs to reveal uh, some of the bodies at the school. They found 55 bodies and they're still um, looking to exhume more bodies. They are going to make a report, a public report, about what their finding, what their findings was, uh, in September. I was told. But in the meantime, there will be a movie produced on the abuse that took place at Dozer. A lot of these children was killed trying to get away. They was used as slaves by the state school. Just recently, I think it was last year, we learned of a judge in Pennsylvania that had uh, sold children to state prisons, and he had made someone between $28 million off these children. Well, pinnage is a very scary, scary word. Mm-hmm. And do I believe that people are still held as peons? I certainly do. And so the latest with the boys on that they're still exhuming the boys' uh, mm-hmm. bodies, and they're on the black side of the
2: campus.
1: Mm-hmm. And so there, there is a book, however, that yes, you that they have out now where they're talking about their experience.
2: Yes,
0: yes, uh, and they can go to www com, and they will see that both the books the Department of Justice and uh, Dark Days of Do- at Dozer is on my site and they can audit there but Bernice it was one of the most horrible things that I had uh, interviews I had to sit in and listen to these men that is in their 60s and 70s cry when they reflect mm-hmm. on the rates and the whippings and the beatings and the blood and all of these things that um, that no one could have ever imagined. I remember writing a press release, and what came to my mind at that time was there's two there's two types of screams that you hear in Florida, one from children being excited with amusement parks and the mm-hmm. theme parks and the sunshine, beaches, and then there's the children as being brutalized, mm-hmm. being scared to the alligators and uh, murdered and and just worked like slaves, like you know it was. It's just horrible. That's all I can say. It was a horrible time.
1: Yes, and and and, and it's sad, but I'm glad in a way that they are now getting to the bottom of it.
2: Yes,
0: fine. Um, for those that looking to find peace in, in the midst of it all, I don't know if they'll ever be able to um, find. You, you know, you just have to learn to live with mm-hmm. these things. I just, and, and Bernice, that makes me appreciate my great-grandfather um, for not allowing his family to go back into sharecropping. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate him. And that's how a lot of the families who end up in this type of system, Bernice, they didn't have anywhere to go. So they had Uh to work on these plantations, and I'm going to post some some of the articles that was done by ABC News, Nightline News, on these families uh, that was held in in enslaved. And and I just want people to know that, yes, slavery, we we think it ended in 1863, well, maybe for for some families it did, but for some Uh families it didn't. And, it and so, eighteen three meant something to me and my family, but maybe not to other families.
2: Mm-hmm. And we will mm-hmm.
0: find that families got out of slavery at a different times.
2: Yes,
1: yes. Well, I mean, when you you shared with us the the time period you were looking at from nineteen hundred 1900 to nineteen seventy three, who would even think that you would find someone in involuntary servitude in nineteen seventy three? That's right.
2: That's right. Who would would have thought?
1: Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Mm -hmm. So how, how would you recommend people pursue information in the Department of Justice records if they cannot find an ancestor?
0: Well, I would say, first of all, you need to know why you're looking in those records. Um, once you have exhausted all your your efforts in looking in the Freeman Bureau contracts, I would certainly say look in the Department of Justice files. Because a lot of those plantations, if there was any complaints, first of all, there had to be some some complaints to come in. And mm-hmm. if the Department of Justice, if the Attorney General made any complaints on these different sharecropping plantations, especially if you know that your family was a sharecropper, that's the mm-hmm. first thing. If you know that your family was in sharecropping, I would say by all means, check it out. Go there and see Look and see if you found anything. Now, the the the. Let me just say, it's not indexed by no certain form of our state. You just have to go through all the records.
1: Wait a minute. Let me see if I understood you. It is not indexed by state. It's not
0: indexed by state. Okay.
1: Not. So these records are just kind of in a box.
0: Mm-hmm. Is they that in what boxes? you're saying? Yeah, And it could be by subject line more than it is by a state. Um,
1: okay, okay. okay so, so so you you will go by subject line. And give us an idea of what the subject lines might be.
0: Let's say if that subject line is Georgia. Okay, and you may find one file in this box and another one in this box.
2: They're not in the
0: same folder. And that's uh-huh. why I say it's You know, I've also found newspaper clippings without a headline on them or a Mm -hmm. date. And so maybe at that particular time, the archivist did not know, look, you need to put the headline. So what you see with the newspaper article that I sent you uh, about Crawford Allen, they didn't Mm -hmm. have a date on there.
2: Mm hmm
0: and so it goes strictly by the subject line
2: mm-hmm. and
0: not by, let's say you're looking for Louisiana you won't find it that way.
2: Okay. If, it's,
0: if the subject line is Attorney General, you may find Louisiana something or a letter uh, about Louisiana in that particular folder. But you will mm-hmm. not find a folder on Alabama or a folder on Mississippi they did not put it in a category
2: like that at all.
1: Yes. So if you would go to the archives, uh, so you just say, give me the Department of Justice files, and they just bring well, you a I bunch of files?
0: Online. I would go online and look in the index mm-hmm. what they have online,
2: mm-hmm. and I
0: would mm-hmm. just let that be my study guide. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know, Bernie, that so they pull the records every two, three hours and you'll be there all day. So I would certainly yes. say do as much as you possibly can, you know, online looking at the store, you know, looking at okay, what what am I looking for? Why am I looking in this this box here? And it will just tell you that the records are there. But there's no breakdown of the particular subjects on even online. Mhm. Mhm.
1: And then, I mean, some people, can, you can actually call the uh, NARA. You can call them and and get uh, a specialist online and just kind of talk to them about what you're looking for. Yes. And I yes. want to know, did you did you do that?
0: No, Bernice, I, because, see, when I went, I started t- 10 years ago going, no, over 13 years ago. And so mm-hmm. when I went there, I just wanted to just spend a couple of days just looking at everything. So mm-hmm. I just took my time. And um, I was there for about ten days, and I went through every box, and I scanned everything I got my hands on. So I'm sitting here now with tons of records, and I'm going to turn them over to the Amistad
2: as mm-hmm. soon as I'm
0: done with them. And so the Amistad will um, will be able to save those records.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I must say this is true dedication. So, so many people will go to the archives and they will start looking at this stuff and that would be it. They, they probably couldn't even look at any more of those documents of what you're describing. But, you know, I'm very happy that you have put this in a book so that at least we have a book that we can read and we can see what's available, And how many cases do you have cited in your book?
0: Uh, I have 13 chapters in there, and I have about, oh, well, I would say that's about 7 to 10 cases according to the state. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, my
0: next book is going to have it if it's a book only about the NWCP files because everything has a breakdown. I can do it according to the state. I can do it according to the NWCP files. I can do it according to the Attorney General files, mm-hmm. FBI, those sorts of things. So I'm working on, and I'm just letting, you know, just thinking every day which way do I want to, the next book to go? Do I want to mm-hmm. do it according to the state? Um, do I want to do it according to the Attorney General records? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And and
0: and Bernice, when I tell you. You think if you read some of the slave narratives it's hard? These records is hard or harder? Yes,
2: because yes. this is during
0: the time that Dr. King was fighting for civil rights, and people like me had no idea that slavery was even abolished.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. No
0: idea. Let me give you another story of a woman that was held a slave in Mississippi, not Mississippi, Louisiana. Well, this woman, she gave birth to two boys, and the two boys uh, was, she became pregnant for the white woman's son. Mm-hmm. And so one day uh, when she gave birth to the boy, she had to have the boy to live outside. With the dogs, and so he was really dirty he and her name was Emma Marie Clark,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and she was set free in nineteen thirty eight and her little boy was what they call a wild boy, and uh, she went to throw him a biscuit because she couldn't give it to him, she couldn't show any love or anything to that child. Well, she threw him a biscuit, and he growled like a dog,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the two sons are still living in, in in New York. Before Emma passed away, I had an opportunity to talk with her once, but someone had picked up her story, and they blocked her from having any contact with anyone else, but her son lives in in New York, and how Emma received her freedom, this woman came to stay, uh, a woman from Texas came to stay in the home of the lady who owned them. And Mm -hmm. so the woman noticed that the the girls had on dirty clothes. She noticed something very strange about the situation. So Mm -hmm. the lady went to town, and when she bought some clean clothes for Emma and the other girl, The white lady pulled the gun on her, a shotgun, and told her to leave her home now. And so when the woman went back to Texas, she called um, the FBI. She called the police. And the police went there and made Emma and them leave, and that was the only They left walking. They had nowhere to go, nothing to do. They took the little boy, but one of them actually lived with the dogs.
2: Mm, mm, mm,
1: mm And this is in that level of detail in the files,
0: oh, well, now that wasn't in the file. this was actually someone I had an opportunity to talk to, but I was saying okay. to you, it's nothing if when you're going to these files, you don't know what you're gonna find murders mm-hmm. rapes. People had their children taken away from them. It was so bad on some of these plantations that people left, women and men left their children, tried to go back there and get their children, couldn't get them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So can you imagine a little girl, 11 years old, left on a plantation with a plantation owner? You know what that little girl went through.
1: Yes, yes, yes. This is just a sad uh, state of humans treating other humans like this um, it's, it's It's just really unbelievable, but of course, we know that this did happen.:
0: Yes, it did
1: Now, I yes, want you did. to just i mean we 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 have ten minutes left in the show. And if anyone would like to call in and make a comment, please feel free to do so at 646-200-0491 and press 1. We have this letter from an attorney at law, uh, Robert L. McLendon, uh, Sebastopol, Mississippi, and this was in 1925. Why don't you share with the group what's going on with this young, what they call, half-white, Negro boy?
0: Oh, that boy was abused, Bernice. That boy was beat naked. That boy went without clothes. Um, The child was basically abused, uh, Bernice, in the saddest way. And uh, Bernice, I I just want to say that a lot of these boys were sexually molested on these plantations. But this child here was found to live in very yeah. deplorable conditions, and that was still a very hard letter for me to talk about, even right now, Bernice, because the child oh, yes. was beat so bad and abused so bad on this plantation, and he was, and they called him a half white Negro boy,
2: and um, he was beat. Mm-hmm.
0: It reminded me of the boys in Simpson County, Mississippi, who they were disposing of these boys. It was a Ware family, and they were stealing these boys, kidnapping them, and sending them over to Clarksdale, Mississippi, and disposing of the boys. And if anybody really want to read some of these stories, Bernice, they can go to my website at com, and they'll be able to purchase the book and see all these records. Of these mm-hmm. children, yeah. You know, can you yes. imagine a boy sixteen, your child sixteen years old, uh, going through all what these children went through? No, so I, really I,
2: I, I just, I
1: strength. just can't. Yeah, I just can't imagine it. And to see this letter, this this letter from this attorney, describing what was going on, and was this attorney hired to represent the slave holder or to represent the boy?
2: He was
0: supposed to be there to represent the boy. Mm
2: -hmm. And when
0: he said that um, what what he said, he said that he believed in Negroes and humans. And I believe that in 1865, slavery was sent back to hell in the United States on Winston Springs. I believe in a land of free and home of the brave. But in such in such in in as such in as much as we have a little law enforcement in right direction of Scout County, Mississippi, most of the prosecution laws pass and I hand off this up to you. And they hope that they will be able to find the next of kin for that little boy.
2: Mm, mm, so, mm. so
1: he had some compassion. Yes. He was trying to help, but he knew in that particular county in Mississippi, it would be very difficult.
0: It, yeah, most of them, most of them, all, and that was in 1925. Yes. And he was writing saying that any other slaves over the state of Mississippi and Alabama
2: mm-hmm.
0: can be smuggled into Mississippi and held in mm-hmm. her slaves.
1: Yes, and I see it. I, see, I I I mean I have the letter. I'm looking at it. And that's that's uh th- that's, that's extremely sad to well, know you. that in 1925 if you in Mississippi, Alabama, or Georgia that you could be smuggled that's into right. uh and and put into slavery at that well, time.
0: Let me give you a perfect example in the last little 6 minutes that we have, Murdie. In Texas, they just found a house with 100 people smuggled into a house. They found a woman who was missing with her children, and they found 100 people in the house. I just read, read that today on the Internet. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, human, you know, people, human beings have always been trafficked through slavery, through sex slaves, mm-hmm. organ slaves, mm-hmm. all types of slaves. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we start looking at why did they steal these people? for many different reasons, and that's what this book is all about. It's there to disclose to people that slavery was not abolished for hundreds of thousands of people in 16 states and 27 counties. Now, let me tell you, yes, 90% of the people that was held as slaves was black people, but there was poor whites, Hungarians, Polish, Mexicans, Choctaw Indians, Italians, and Jews. Mm-hmm. I did find documents on that. Right, right.
1: Well, Antoinette, I want to thank you for your work. I want to encourage individuals to purchase the book, to look at the book and look at the genealogical value that's in those Department of Justice records. It will be difficult, but it happens. It's real and the names are there the owners are there the locations are there the time period the information is out there so when we start talking about our brick walls you may want to consider that they are back in slavery your ancestor May be in a record at the Department of Justice. So, Antoinette, I want to thank you. Thank you very much for your work, for coming on the show to share this with us. And thank once you. again, I want to just encourage people to to purchase your book.
2: Thank, so you, for I, I,
1: thank you so much. Well, please join my guest host. Angela Walton Raji, next Thursday, March 27th at 9 p.m. to hear The Memory Keepers. Discuss our new book, Our Ancestors, Our Stories. Many of you have seen the postings on Facebook, and we have a website, thememorykeepers.net. Please read about the book. I want everyone to have a a good evening, and thank you so much, Antoinette Harrell, for sharing information on the Department of Justice. And please remember, everybody, that your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. Thank you for joining research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. I look forward to you joining me on Thursday night. And remember to listen to the African Roots podcast on Fridays and Nurturing Our Roots on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Good night, everyone.